Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 38th program in this series. Now, in the previous program, I was in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 through 16. And in this program, I would like to spend a little bit more time in verses 15 and 16 with regards to the subject of judgment. In verse 15, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, and he said to them, You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Now, that's a very profound statement, especially when we consider the topic of judgment. And the fact that Jesus, first of all, he was quite active in passing judgment on a lot of people, but that he has been given all power and all authority to execute judgment on people. So for him to say he judges no one, that's something that we have to look at closely. I do believe that this is a very profound statement. Now, what Jesus says is in comparison with what the Pharisees were doing. It was in comparison with the subject of the judgment of the flesh. Now, this is something that's very important to understand that I find very few people are familiar with, and that is that the Old Covenant, the covenant that God gave through Moses to define the nation of Israel, was recognized as the law of Moses, and this was a law, this was a covenant that was about the flesh. It was not about the spirit. It had nothing to do with having a relationship with God. The law that was given through Moses was all about the flesh. It had nothing to do with the spirit of man. There is nothing in the law of God that says anything about the restoration of the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam that we need in order to be saved, in order to have a place in the kingdom of heaven. When it comes to our relationship with God, a different covenant was established for the purpose of defining a relationship with our God. There was a relationship with God defined in the Old Covenant, but this was related to the issues of the flesh. Things like, will God assist you in the event that your enemies will attack you in war? Will he ensure that the rain falls at the appropriate time and in the right amounts? Things like that. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to knowing your God, when it comes to him healing your heart, now these are issues that are outside of your flesh. These are issues that have to do with the restoration of the spirit of life, with resurrecting your spirit from the dead, with making you into a new creation, a new person, and having a dynamic, living, eternal relationship with the person of your God. And so when Jesus makes this statement 
in John chapter 8, verse 15, you judge according to the flesh and I judge no one, what he is effectively stating is that he is not there for the purpose of judging people according to their flesh. He was not there for that reason. Now, he could certainly do that. He did that. He can be a participant in that. But that's not really what he is about. That is not his role. That is not his purpose. The Levitical priesthood was there. The Pharisees were there. The Sanhedrin was there. And they were functioning in that capacity already. They already had the law. They could follow the law. They could execute the law. The issues related to judging the flesh were being handled just fine, relatively speaking. There was no reason for Jesus to fulfill that role. Now, I understand that this can be a little bit of a struggle for people because within Christianity, the subject of the flesh tends to be the primary subject and the subject of judgment For the sins that you commit in your flesh tend to be a very big subject in Christianity. And so for me to suggest this, for me to read what he said, to quote Jesus, that he says, I judge no one, that is going to have to be addressed. There is a lot that needs to be said about this. Jesus conducted his ministry for the purpose of proclaiming the new covenant that would go into effect when he died for the sins of the world, the sins that everybody commits in their flesh, he brought an end to the subject of sin. That was the judgment. The judgment was, you're guilty. There isn't anything more to say. But for various reasons, a lot of people still want to keep the subject of sin alive. They want to keep the subject of God is going to judge you for your evil. They want to keep that alive. But it was resolved. And so Jesus did speak to people about their sin, about their flesh, about the judgment of God. Those things need to be recognized and need to be understood. But now that the new covenant is in effect, we surrender to God on the basis of what he has already done for us. We embrace the reality that our sins have been judged, that he has paid the penalty for those sins, so that he can provide us with a new relationship to live in, to walk in, to spend eternity with our God in a new and living way. He set us free so that we could experience a different kind of relationship with him. Now, I realize that there is great risk that people will use the freedom that they have received and go out and indulge their flesh. I have known people who have done that. And some of those people have come back to me later and said, well, sure enough, that was not a good idea at all. And they have repented and they have pursued the proper relationship, they have engaged their God in the way that he defined to use the truth of the gospel, not for the purpose of indulging their flesh, but so that they might know their God and so that he might meet the deepest needs of their heart and their soul and their spirit 
so that they might experience change and transformation over the period of their life, over the period of their existence. Forever they may experience continual growth and maturity in their relationship with their God so that they might know him more and become a person who God would like them to be. That is why he set us free, and that is why he invoked a new covenant. Now, the subject of judgment is a big subject. It is an important subject, and there are a lot of references in the scriptures, many references that should be looked at and considered, and I certainly am not going to even begin to attempt to address this subject in this radio program from that point of view. All I'm doing is looking at John chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, and I'm also going to spend some time looking at some things that Jesus said previously in the Gospel of John concerning the subject of judgment. For example, go back to John chapter 5, when Jesus healed the man who was at the pool of Bethesda. That was a divine judgment. It was a divine judgment in the sense that the man had this infirmity for a long time because of his sin. I explained this in the previous programs that I recorded on the Gospel of John in John chapter 5. It was because of his sin, and if we make the assumption that it was a divine judgment of God, it could very well have been a natural consequence because of his sin. But the people in general, the religious people, would make the assumption that it was a divine intervention, not a natural consequence. And so the perception of the people was that this man had this infirmity, he had this problem, because God decided that this would be the judgment that he would receive because of his sin. So when Jesus healed this man... Jesus is asserting that he has the authority to reverse the judgment of God. Again, through healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, the people would have viewed that healing as Jesus reversing the divine judgment of God. By definition, Jesus would have to be the divine. He would have to be God manifested in the flesh right there in front of them in order to heal this man of the divine judgment because only the divine himself could set someone free from a divine judgment. That was an issue that the people who were confronting Jesus about this healing apparently didn't think through. They should have thought through the fact a little bit more that they were concerned that Jesus healed this man But if he did, and he set him free from a divine judgment, then clearly Jesus is the divine right there in front of them. And so instead of creating a conflict with Jesus, it might be better for them to pay attention to what he has to say. In John chapter 5, these are some of the things that he had to say. In John chapter 5, verse 21, he said, For as the Father raises the dead, and gives life to them, even so, the Son gives life to whom he will. Now, that's a very profound statement. 
He not only has the authority to give physical life to individuals, but he, by his own will, by his own decision, can give people spiritual life, is what he was really referring to, in my opinion. Not just the physical life, but but he could resurrect a person from the dead by giving them the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the criteria that Jesus uses in order to resurrect a person? That criteria is defined according to the gospel. You must believe in your condition. You must believe in his provision. You need to recognize that you have a need for forgiveness, that you are spiritually dead and you have a need to be made spiritually alive. It's a package deal. There are several things that a person needs to embrace, that they need to surrender to, that they need to believe, that they need to acknowledge. And we have a God who knows the condition of everyone's heart so that even if a person doesn't understand everything to the precise definition that I or somebody else may proclaim, we have a God who will make the right decision. He will make the right decision concerning who will be saved and who might be saved a little bit later. We have a God who will make the perfect decision when it comes to that. And that is the primary judgment. The primary judgment that remains is whose spirit will be resurrected and whose spirit will not be resurrected. And the criteria has to do with the fact that a person needs to believe the gospel. They need to believe the good news. They need to believe in the Jesus who will save them, the real Jesus, the real living God who manifested in the flesh. When that criteria is met, then God makes a judgment. Jesus makes a judgment. And in that judgment, when he is satisfied with the condition of a person's heart, he will give them life and he will resurrect them from the dead. That's verse 21. In verse 22, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. That's John chapter 5, verse 22. The father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. Now, in this example, this is an example of the flesh where the father passed judgment such that the man would have the infirmity. And then Jesus passes judgment that the man will be set free from the infirmity. That's verse 22. The father gave him the condition as a result of his sin, if we make that assumption. And the other half of the verse is that Jesus has set him free from that condition. That was a judgment. That is how it would be understood. And so Jesus does have the authority to execute judgment. The Father has given him authority to execute all judgment. But then in chapter 8, he says, I judge no one. You could look at that and say, you know, this looks like it could very well be a contradiction. But it isn't when you recognize that the law is clear, the old covenant is clear, and the new covenant is is clear. For example, in the Old Covenant, we know exactly what sin is. 
And we know exactly what the penalty will be for each sin. That judgment is over. The only thing that needs to be done is the follow-through execution of the judgment that has already been defined. When it comes to the new covenant, when it comes to the good news, the gospel of salvation, that has been well-defined. There is no more judgment that needs to be executed when it comes to the subject of salvation. All there needs to be is the acknowledgement of truth. That, to me, is the way to understand what he means when he says he doesn't judge anybody, but still he will decide who will be saved and who won't be. But that is because the definition has already been established. The judgment has already taken place. For example, when he died for the sins of the world, the subject of sin came to an end. It was judged. That judgment is over. When we go before God in heaven, there is no reason for him to judge us according to our sins. He already did. That was already done. Again, I know this might sound a little awkward, and there are many verses about the subject of judgment that need to be addressed. Have some patience with me. There's a lot to talk about. I'm just referring to John chapter 5 and John chapter 8 and the basic issue of salvation. That when people go before God in heaven after they physically die, there really isn't any judgment that needs to take place. The judgment has already happened. The judgment concerning sin has already happened. You're guilty. You either accept and embrace his forgiveness or you don't. Now, there are a lot of people... Okay, this is something that I think will help shed some light on the subject of the judgment, the final judgment, when we stand before the Lord after we physically die. There are a lot of people, in fact, most people who are physically alive, who have been physically alive, have rejected the Lord Jesus. Most people have. That's just the way it's turned out. The overwhelming majority from a certain point of view, you could say the overwhelming majority of the people who have been physically alive have rejected the Lord Jesus to the extent that they will not have a place in the kingdom of heaven. So what is that going to look like when they physically die? What will this judgment really be? What will it really be about? They go before God. They are going to be taken before the King of Kings. And it probably will be the Lord Jesus himself there personally. They are going to be brought before him. And they are going to see the person who they rejected. That's who they are going to see. Is there any need for him to pass judgment on them? Not really. It's already been decided. They already rejected him before they got there. So they can either go to hell peacefully or they can protest. And what would it look like if they were to protest? If they wanted to have a conversation with Jesus to perhaps try to convince him that they really did need Jesus to let them in and that Jesus needed to let them in, what could they possibly say? There is only one thing that a person could probably present before God, besides, will you, will you give me mercy? And, of course, the answer is, I already did, and you turned it down. 
what else could they say? They could say, well, you know, I wasn't such a bad person. I understand that there were a lot of really bad people out there, and I can see that some of them are probably there with you. But I wasn't as bad as them. In other words, their defense will be an appeal to be judged according to their works. It will come from the people who are under the judgment of God. When they go before him, their defense will be an appeal to be judged according to their works, which would sound something like, you know, I wasn't such a bad person, especially when you consider some other people. I think I did some good things. I think my good works outweighed my bad works. There are a lot of ways that people can try to defend themselves. In fact, in the scriptures, we have a description of a person who tries to defend himself by speaking to the Lord Jesus about, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I do all these wonderful things in your name? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? And Jesus will speak to him and say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so from that perspective, I feel very confident in saying that the desire for a person to be judged according to their works will not come from God. It will come from the people. And so when Jesus is confronted with this kind of a defense, then he can respond and he can judge a person by their works. He can do that. And he will. He will judge people according to their works. But I genuinely believe that that will be initiated by the people and not by the Lord Jesus, not by God. It will be initiated by the people as they are trying to get him to consider, to reconsider, allowing them to have a place with him in the kingdom of heaven. And for every person who is judged according to their works, every single person who is judged in this way will be condemned to hell. Everyone. No one will ever be allowed entrance into the kingdom of heaven according to their works. And so there is an opportunity for most people who reject Jesus to be judged according to their works. But the rest of us, the rest of us, there is no reason for us to be judged according to our works. There's no reason for that. There's no place for that. Now, maybe there could be an opportunity when it comes to the subject of rewards, and I can understand that that's an important topic. I have done some recordings on the subject of rewards in heaven and eternal punishment. Those are available for free in the Living God Ministries radio archive. So there is a lot more that I can say about this topic, and I have said a lot more about this topic. But when it comes to John chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, this is what I see. I see Jesus telling the people, that he is not going to be relating to them in the context of judgment. There really is no reason for him to be a part of that. 
if they want to try to defend themselves and assert that they need to have a place with him after they physically die, after they've already rejected him, then I'm confident that he will accommodate that desire to be judged according to their works. And that, of course, will end badly for everyone. All right. But in verse 15, John chapter 8, verse 15, when he says, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. That's something that I think everyone needs to think about a lot. Verse 16, And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. And what would be a condition that he would judge? He would judge according to a person's works. And how would that judgment be defined? It would be defined according to... The Old Covenant, according to the law. And did you obey the law perfectly? Well, no one has ever done that. No one will ever do that. And so that kind of a judgment, as I described earlier, will end badly. And so if he does, in verse 16, if he does, his judgment will be true because the Father has already defined that judgment through the law. And I will continue into verse 17 in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 38th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spent a little bit more time in John chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, where I spoke about the subject of the judgment of Jesus, that Jesus has been given the authority by the Father to judge all things and all people. But he stated here that he is judging no one. And I gave an explanation in this program that this is because the judgment has already been defined when it comes to the subject of sin and the subject of eternal life. The criteria, conditions, and issues have already been resolved by our God through the crucifixion, the crucifixion of the Messiah to provide for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 